The Productive Woman, Episode 350. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you for joining me. In this episode, I'll be sharing with you my conversation with multi-published mystery author and full-time technical writer, Mary Sutton. You'll find more information about Mary, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 350. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. If you've been around for very long, you know I've used Text Expander personally for years, since long before I even started podcasting, to be more efficient and more effective in my written communication. Whether online or just on screen, Text Expander saves me time, prevents silly typos, uh, because instead of repetitive typing or cutting and pasting, I just create a snippet, save it in Text Expander, and then every time I use it, I just type a couple of keystrokes and Text Expander does the rest. One of the things I love is that Text Expander has evolved over the years I've been using it to the point that they have made it possible for you to get that same efficiency, consistency, and accuracy, not only for yourself, but with your whole team in a business context. So you can keep it consistent and accurate with Text Expander. I mean, in our fast-paced world, things are constantly changing for business or for organizations, and errors in messaging can have really significant consequences. Well, Text Expander lets you make new approved messaging available to every team member instantly with just a few keystrokes, ensuring that your team remains consistent, current, and accurate. So you can get your message right every time. You expand content that corrects your spelling, that keeps your language consistent with just a few keystrokes. Your team members will consistently know the right message for the right person at the right time without relying on memory or copy and paste. And what's great is Text Expander offers the Productive Woman listeners 20% off their first year. So visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about how Text Expander works and to get 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash podcast and let them know the Productive Woman sent you. Okay, let's get into my conversation with Mary Sutton. I'm so pleased to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Mary Sutton. Writing under the pen name Liz Milliron, Mary Sutton is the author of two different mystery series, one set in the scenic Laurel Highlands of Southwest Pennsylvania here in the United States, and another set in Buffalo, New York in the early years of World War II. She continues to write and publish two novels a year while working full-time as a technical writer, and I'm going to want to know how she manages that. Uh, she's now an empty nester with two grown children, and Mary lives outside Pittsburgh with her husband and a very spoiled, retired racer greyhound. I have been so looking forward to talking with her about how she's making a life that matters, so welcome, Mary. 
Well, I'm just delighted to get to chat with you. Uh, I gave a little bit of an introduction of, of who you are, but maybe you could, we could start by you telling us a little bit more about who you are, where you are, what you do, whatever you think is useful for us to know as we get into this conversation about productivity and, and making a life that matters. Sure. Um, I am just coming into the middle age. I'm, I'll be 48 in the fall. Been, I've worked full-time my whole life. I was an English major in college. I always thought I'd write the great American novel, like most English majors. And then I got married. And then I had kids. And anybody who's been there knows that that kind of overwhelms your entire life. So between the job and the kids, you know, I just, I thought I was productive. But looking back on it, maybe I wasn't as productive as I could have been. And really, it's been the last, what is this? This is 2021. The last 10 years, maybe, that I finally figured out or started to figure out is probably more accurate what productivity really means and and how you go about doing it. You know, and now now that I've raised the kids and they're they're mostly gone, I can go back and, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda, but it, I still have time to go back and, and do some of the things that I could have done when I was telling myself, no, you don't have time to do that. And, and yeah, I did, but I just didn't know how to go about structuring that. Yeah. And so at this point in your life, you're, you're writing novels, mystery novels, which I think is fun. Um, you're also working as a technical writer and, and we'll get into sort of how you're doing this, but I, just as a curiosity to me, is it hard to switch back and forth between technical writing and mystery writing or, or to motivate yourself to work on the novels if you've spent, you know, the, your, your work day writing a different kind of, of text? It used to be. Hmm. Um, and that was one of the things I had to figure out. And now not so much because in one of the ways I, I learned to do that was that this is the time to do this thing. And this is the time to do that thing. And I picked up a habit from a, an editor friend of mine who unfortunately passed away less than a year ago, um, which she called her sacred writing hour. And to her, that was, this is the hour that you dedicate to your fiction, to your writing. Um, and you don't answer the phone and you don't surf the internet and you don't worry about anything else that 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 hour is yours and you're making a commitment to yourself. I picked up that habit years ago before even before I got started to get published and that was the key that mm. I can say and and you find her she did it in the morning but her thing was a find your most productive time, find your creative time and my creative time happened to be lunch. So from 12 to 1 you know, I can set aside the the day job, set aside the technical writing and say to myself, okay, now you're a fiction author. Now is the time to focus on the fiction. And then one o'clock comes and I, I close my fiction and I go back to, you know, whatever the day job is asking me to do that day. But it was really putting myself in a mindset that this is what you're doing. So it's a matter of, you know, being aware of what works for you and being very intentional uh, and purposeful with about what you do with your time. Oh, absolutely. You you have to yeah. you have to say this is what I, I'm going to do right now. And 
I would listen to a podcast from another author who also works full time. And it's all about, you know, this is why I'm doing this. And this is why I'm doing that. And, and you are very intentional. You say, I'm making a decision to structure my day and structure my life in a certain way. And you do it in such a way that helps you achieve whatever it is you're trying to get out of life. You know, what, what is your goal? And, and yeah. make the decisions and do it, which is what I didn't know back in my, my late 20s. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure any of us knew, knew that no. in our late 20s. <laughs> well, let's, so let's back up. We're, we're going to come back to that. What I want to talk about, or part of what I want to talk about with you is how you manage to do the things that are important to you and, and make a meaningfully productive life as you define that. But it, I think it's helpful in uh, when we talk about kind of the nitty gritty of that to have some background for it. And to me, the background is, you know, what kind of life do you have? What is your life like? Um, because what works, the tools and approaches and techniques that work for people vary depending on what their, you know, what their roles are, what their days are like, what their weeks are like. And so, if there's such a thing for you as a typical day, what might that look like? Oh, there's definitely a typical day. Monday through Friday, my dog gets me up at 6.30. He's the best <laughs> alarm clock ever. He, I get up, I feed the dog, I get my own breakfast. I try to do a little bit of mindful reading, which is just sort of you know, something to put myself in the right mind frame for the day. You know, it might be right now I'm reading a book of essays by G.K. Chesterton. It might be a biography of something of something. It, it, it just just something that's usually not mm -hmm. fiction. It's it's not a history. It's not a bio, but it's something to just get myself in the right mindset. And then the day job starts at 730 in the morning and I work that until noon. And that's all I do. I focus on, you know, that thing or things that need to be done for the day job. I'm not thinking about, you know, what I need to do later. I'm not, you know, I'm trying to focus on what my job uh, demands of me at that time. And then at noon, I switch gears. And that's the fiction writing time. So mm -hmm. I'll put the work computer away. I work from home. I worked from home even before the pandemic. So I'll put the work computer away and I open up my personal computer and that's the hour I focus on writing whatever, you know, writing words, putting new words on the screen or the page. And I only think of that for an hour. I don't answer my emails. I don't surf the web. I don't do anything. That's my hour, that, that sacred writing hour that I've committed to myself. And then at one o'clock, it's back to the day job, you know, and whatever I need to get done for that afternoon. And I, I sign off the day job at about 3.30 assuming that my counterparts in who are behind me in Utah don't schedule late meetings. And the afternoon is kind of my decompression time. You know, maybe I, you know, read a book for fun. I might, you know, just sit and stare at the backyard. If there's businessy writing stuff, like, you know, pitching you for this podcast or, or you know, having to, to write something, I, I might do that. And then my husband comes home and it's dinner time and I take care of that. And I spend some time with him and the evenings is all about us. I don't try not to do anything. 
in the evenings that isn't me spending time with him. Um, and then you go to bed and you do it all over again the next day. <laughs> so, so if you're, if you're working in the morning and in the early afternoon and you're spending that hour from noon to one on your fiction, wh- when do you eat? When do you? While I work. I mean, I have breakfast. I, I, I have breakfast while I'm setting, you know, putting myself in, in that mindset for the day. I'll eat while I'm writing the fiction or I'll eat, you know, before or after. But it's never just sit down and do nothing except eat. Usually I'm working on something. It's either the day job or the fiction. And then I just eat. But I never have really big lunches. So it's really easy to do that. I, I snack at lunch. Yeah. Okay. So every person's life is a little different, presents different challenges uh, as far as staying productive, uh, getting the things done that really matter to them. What would you say are your biggest challenges when it comes to managing your life and being productive in the way that you want to be? Definitely not taking on more than I, I can chew. I have a habit when I, I'm the oldest child and I like to say yes because I feel it's my responsibility to say yes. Mm. So someone will say, hey, can you join this committee at the church? Can you do this other thing? Can you do this? And I'll, and my first reaction is always to say, yeah, absolutely. I'll make the time. Mm. Um, and, and then I turn around and I realized I've committed myself to be in three places at the same time. Or I've said, yeah, I'll get that done by the end of the week. And I've got three other things to get done by the end of the week. Um, and then I'm either disappointing somebody, which I hate to do. That's just my personal hang up or I'm working like a mad woman to get it done. Um, so it's definitely understanding that it's okay to say no, Mm. especially if it doesn't fit in with the life you want to lead. I mean, this was terrible when my kids were in school, I was even worse, but it's okay to say no, if it doesn't fit fit what you want out of life, you know, you can say, no, I'm sorry. I'm just not available right now. I'd love to help you, but I'm busy. Yeah. And so knowing that that though is a struggle for you or a tendon that, you know, that your tendency is to want to say yes. And that's, that's a lot of us. We, we don't like to turn people down. We don't want to disappoint people. And so, you know, we're, and we like to help. We like to feel like we're contributing in some way. How do you get to that point to where you can say no, as you said, when you've recognized it's not something that fits into the life that you have, that you're trying to create for yourself and your family? Some of it is trial and error. Like there were things that I would say yes to. I did have the time, but then I was miserable doing them. Like, you know, it's like this does not, if it's a chore, if it like really you have to drag yourself to participate in something, that's probably a sign that you shouldn't be doing it. I mean, there, there are, there are things that we have to drag ourselves to do. I have to drag myself to the day job. But if I've said, yes, I'll participate in that group. And that group brings me nothing except stress and misery. You know, maybe I shouldn't have said no. So I shouldn't have said yes. I'm sorry. Um, so the next time someone asks me, I'll be like, mm, no, that's okay. I, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. The other thing is just keep miss really, really simple things. 
lists and the calendar on my phone. I live and die by the calendar on my phone. I, I tell people if it does not exist on a list or my calendar, it doesn't exist. <laughs> I, I, I just can't. So when people say to me, oh, well, can you do this thing? Can you do this interview at, at 530? I check my work calendar. I check my home calendar. I'm like, yes, I'm available to do that. And I put it on the calendar so that someone else, they say, hey, at, at May 13th, at this time, can you do this thing? No, I'm sorry, I'm already booked. Yeah. Yeah, it is so important to to develop that habit of writing things like that down. Uh, if we're if we're flying by the seat of our pants, it gets real easy to double book yourself or to overcommit yourself. For me, I try to leave space between appointments and, and not schedule things back to back. And it's hard, um, you know, in my day job as a lawyer, uh, sometimes I don't have a lot of control over when clients schedule certain things that, that need to happen. But when I have the ability to have some input into timing, uh, I, I certainly try to leave space between things just to, just to switch gears before you go from one activity to the next. Uh, but e either way, it always gets written down. Um, I, I don't know how you f function in modern life <laughs> if you don't have a calendar, whether it's a paper calendar or the one on your phone or however you do it, but to have some place where these things get put down. Yeah, I discovered that actually at the day job, I discovered this great hack in Outlook where you can automatically shorten your meetings. So if you schedule a 30-minute meeting, it will only schedule it for 25 minutes to give you at least five minutes where you can get a drink of water, go to the bathroom, reset yeah. before. Because I, I mean, I'm also, and I'm sure you know this, you know, the back-to-back-to-back-to-back meetings. And yeah. it just gets too much. And then you're exhausted yeah. and you can't focus on anything. Um, so at least even in the, I can't, I don't do this so much in my personal life, but even in my day job, I've, I've taken to doing that. All of my half an hour meetings are automatically shortened by five minutes. And all of my hour long meetings are shortened by 10 minutes. And I try very hard to stop, you know, yeah. I, because I need the break. And so do they, and I'm trying to be respectful of their time. Yeah, for sure. What other, what other tools do you like or, or resources that help you with managing the commitments you've made or your space or your, you know, the ideas that you have for your, for your novels? What, what, what helps you be productive? Well, in my personal life, like I said, it's the calendar. We also have a, a whiteboard calendar on our refrigerator where when my kids were little, everything went on that, like even the Taekwondo practices or the dance recitals, I mean, everything went on that calendar. Um, and then simple things like the shopping list, I'll go grocery shopping. And then my husband comes home and said, well, do you buy ice cream? And I'm like, did you put ice cream on the list? No. Well, then I did not <laughs> buy ice cream. Um, when it comes to uh, work, I have a to-do list on my Outlook mm -hmm. calendar. And as people say, hey, Mary, can you do such and such? Or this task needs to be accomplished by such and such. I'll put it on my to-do list. I actually just uh, got burned because the biggest lie we tell ourselves is, I don't have to write that down. I'll remember. And you never remember. 
And and it was I I recently did. I was like, oh, I'll remember to. I got to follow up with her on this, and I'll remember to do that. And I didn't. She called me this morning and was like, did we ever do this? I'm like, no, we never did that. <laughs> um, and then my fiction, I have a couple of tools. I have an application called Evernote on my phone. Mm-hmm. So that if I'm out someplace and an idea strikes, because that's a, that's the great thing about being um, an author, anything can can generate an idea. I can quick just jot a note on my phone and that helps me capture it. I use an application called Trello which helps me plan uh, what needs to be done, what needs, I have a list of this thing, these things need to be done this month. And then I break it down by week, say, this is the week I'm going to accomplish this. And then I check it off. And then I use another application. It's a web application called Airtable. And that's more um, planning and project management. But I have a, a marketing plan for my book that's coming up in August. And it's like, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this. Okay those things involve these tasks and they all have dates by which I need to get them done. And then I have my production schedule, which is, you know, you need to turn this into the publisher by this date. And since I have two series going on, I'm usually writing one while I'm trying to edit another. So it, I help, it helps me balance out those dates. Yeah. And that reminds me, I wanted to ask you, uh, it, so you've got two series. They're both mystery series. Mm-hmm. Tell us, tell us just the 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 little blurb about what they are. There, uh, what each of these series is about, because I know a lot of a lot of the people in the productive woman community are are big fiction fans and might be interested in in uh, reading some of your work. Sure, uh, the historical is Rosie the Riveter meets Sam Spade. Uh, (laughs) A friend of mine gave me that tagline and I love it. Uh, It is about a young woman who works for Bell Aircraft um, in World War II, um, but she really wants to be a private detective. Um, And so she investigates. She's setting herself up to be a private detective. And usually she gets her cases from people she knows or family or and she goes out and solves crimes with her buddies, her two neighborhood friends, her two oldest friends. And she's made a friend on the Buffalo Police Department, too. So they work together. How fun. The other series, the Laurel Highland, is a contemporary police procedural. Um, it has a two main characters, a Pennsylvania state trooper and an assistant public defender who have a habit of picking up investigations that seem like they're completely separate, but turn out to be not so separate. Um, And they've developed a friendship and they get together to solve mysteries and solve crime. It's set in Fayette. Mostly, uh, most of the action takes place in Fayette County. And I have a friend who writes a similar, who writes another series. And we say we're depopulating the Laurel Highlands one book at a time. <laughs> because there's always a body somewhere. Always a body someplace. <laughs> I have, it's a, it's a occupational hazard. I cannot look at a picture of something without saying, that's a great place to hide a body. <laughs> the wood. <laughs> Um, there was a, a picture of a flood, river flooding, and I'm like, everybody's like, oh, that's such a pretty picture. And I'm like, you know, you could hide a body there. <laughs> so. <laughs> so how, uh, 
how did you get into writing fiction? I mean, have you done this since you were a kid or how, how did this all start? And how did you, cause you mentioned earlier that you've always worked full time. You also raised two kids. How did writing this kind of fiction sort of get into the mix? Well, writing fiction, I mean, I guess I kind of got bit, I got bit by the bug when I was in uh, middle school. I was not a popular kid in middle school. Um, neither was my best friend. So she was an illustrator. I was a writer. It was very natural that we just started making up stories where we were awesome and they were not. <laughs> but then I really just, I love reading mysteries. And I always thought, you know, I'd like to write one someday. I wish I could write like Mary Higgins Clark. That would be cool. And then I got married and I started a book. Like, I'm like, I could do this. I could totally write a, a, a mystery. I mean, how hard can it be, right? Insert maniacal laugh there. And that was the late 90s. And I thought mm -hmm. I, could, I could do this. You know, I could do this. But then, like I said, I had my first kid. And it just occurred to me that between working and now child raising, writing the book was not so important. So I, I put it aside and said, you know, I'm not going to do this. And then I had my second child and it got even crazier. And it wasn't until I lost my job in 2011 that my husband said to me, you know, whatever happened to that mystery that you started writing? And I'm like, I don't know. It's around here somewhere, I guess. And at that point, you know, my kids were older. My daughter was 11. My son was nine. And my husband said, well, you know, why don't you take the summer off and finish it? See what happens see where it goes. So I did. Mm. And I discovered that, I, you know, I did finish it. It was horrible, but I finished it. And, but by the end of that summer, I realized that was the thing that I want to do. Like that was the activity that, yes, I was a mother and that was, I, you know, gave me purpose. And, but as for me, selfishly, I wanted to write. I was bitten by the bug. And when I got to the end of that summer, um, I just had to figure out a way to keep that going. And that was when I started making the decisions that were like, okay, how do you do this when you're still raising two school-age children and working full-time? Okay, you don't watch television. You don't go out to lunch with the coworkers. You don't, you know, you're going to have to give some stuff up, but you're going to get something that's really important to you. So I've written for a long time, but I didn't realize how important that activity was until I really sat down and gave it some love, watered it a little, nurtured it along. And ever since then, I've been, you know, this is who I am. My kids think it's cool. Yeah. They think I'm nuts, but they think it's cool. <laughs> well, you know, and that, that really raises some interesting thoughts. How, what do you say to the woman who's listening, who's thinking there's this thing I've always wanted to do, but I've got a full-time job. I've got these children I'm raising or, or a parent I'm caring for. I've got commitments to church or to the community, all these different things. How do you, when you've got this sort of nebulous idea in the back of your mind of something I've, you know, that you've always wanted to do. How do you, how do you get to the point that you can commit to it and then 
how do you find the time? How do you make the time to, to devote to it, to give it the love that you talked about um, giving to your writing project? What, you know, what lessons I guess, can you share with the rest of us of how you got from, Oh, someday I'd like to write to having, you know, however many books published now while you continue to work full time. My friend, Hank Phillippe Ryan, who worked as a full-time investigative journalist uh, for a television station in Boston, she's run, won a ridiculous number of Emmys, is often one of the most productive people I've ever seen. And, and a lot of authors think this. And she said once, um, I have the same 24 hours in my day that everybody else has. It's not about finding the time. It's about making the decisions, you know. We all have things that we absolutely have to do, but where are you maybe leaving time on the table? You know, are you sitting there watching an hour of television at night when you could be doing something else? You could be knitting or writing or learning the piano or something like that. I used to do, I took my laptop to a lot of dance practices and Taekwondo lessons and I would sit in the back room while my kids were doing whatever activity they were doing and write. I would take the laptop in the summer to swim practice because that was an hour that I could either waste either gossiping with somebody else or doing nothing or watching television, or I could devote it to, you know, this, this thing that I wanted to do. So one, you have to look at your life and say, what are the things that have to be done I have to feed myself I have to feed my parents? You know, if you're taking care of an aging parent, I have to do this. I, I have to do this for my kids. So some of those things are non-negotiable, but then you need to invest in self-care because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of other people. And part of taking care of other people is doing things for yourself and this act the activity whatever your activity is is a way of taking care of yourself and then look at your schedule and say where are you leaving time on the table could you get up an hour earlier could you stay up an hour later could you not watch tv over your lunch hour and get something done is the time when the kids are off at school that you could, you know, while you're running laundry, maybe sit down and, and do the thing. Um, and if I believe that for the vast majority of people, if they actually look at their day and say, oh, I don't have any time, you'll find time. You'll find, even if it's 15 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, it, people, when they're writing a, a manuscript page is 250 words roughly 250 words a day over I forget how many days it is it's like you have a novel in eight months or something like that yeah do you have 15 minutes ever I bet you you do I bet you you do 15 minutes to devote to what you really really want and, and, and that's such a, that's such a good point that we sometimes think whatever it is, if we're wanting to find a new, you know, change careers, or we want to, you know, whatever it is we have, uh, in mind that we'd like to do, we think, oh, I need these big chunks of time and, and I just don't have them. 
And, and I always think, you know, if all you've got is 10 or 15 minutes and you spend that 10 or 15 minutes on whatever this thing is, you break it down into the tiniest little chunks and spend those 10 or 15 minutes at a time, you're farther along than if you'd done nothing. It may feel like you're, it, you know, it, it's, it's not going to accomplish anything, but the fact is you can get a lot done in 15 minute increments consistently taken over time. Yeah, absolutely. And there are a lot of famous authors that they, they say, you know, can you write, you know, can you may not be able to write a thousand words a day. Can you write 500? Can you write 250? Can you write a paragraph? Yeah. And if you do that, like you said, you're further along than you were yesterday. And we all waste time. Let's admit it. There, there are time wasters everywhere. Um, and, but you need to make the decision that you're going to do this. And don't feel guilty. For heaven's sakes, mm. don't feel guilty about doing it. Because like I said, you need to take care of yourself. You need to fill your own well before you go out and take care of other people. And if your well is empty, you're not going to be taking care of that parent or those kids or whatever else. You're going to be a shell of yourself and you're doing them a disservice and you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, that is so true. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, that's the message maybe that uh, we need to give ourselves permission to, to spend that time, whatever the time amount of time you decide to, uh, to devote to this, give yourself permission to spend that on yourself, to invest that in your own mental and physical well-being, uh, whatever it is. Um, there is time to do those things that are important to us if we will make the time, make the decisions, as you've said, to set aside maybe other things and give ourselves permission to do that without feeling guilty about it. Uh, I, I love that idea. Uh, in the in the materials that you sent to me in preparation for our conversation, you mentioned um, in years past some physical challenges you had yeah. as well to to being productive. Um, is that something you could share with us? How oh, yeah. you know how that affected you and and how you've how you've dealt with it? Yeah, sure. Um, this goes all the way back to two thousand and eight um, when. I had, I, I lost my balance. It was terrible. And um, eventually through, you know, many tests and whatever else, they diagnosed me with multiple sclerosis. And at first that was pretty devastating um, because I was only 35. My kids were young and, and I did have that thought of how, how I don't have time for this. I do not have time for this. And what that Really, I just had to admit to myself that I needed help, you know, to, to do the things that I needed to get done. I needed help. And I think as women, we're not encouraged to ask, you know, we're not supposed to need help. You're supposed to, you know, you can have it all. And, and we're, and do it all. No, you can't do it all. Well, although I, I thought it was brilliant. It was, but we, we think we're supposed to, I, th I actually, I thought it was brilliant. I'd saw a meme someplace that said, you can't, you can have it all. It just depends on what all is. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're, we're not supposed to have to ask for help. We are supposed to be able to do it no matter what was asked. And we're not supposed to need time for ourselves. Like, as you said, you know, giving yourself permission, not feeling guilty. 
it's it's an awful, awful thing that society has done to women. Um, you need to be a mother and you need to be a professional woman and you need to be this. And what MS taught me was I can't do it all. Like mm-hmm. I literally physically can't do it all. And if you want to be productive, if you want to not, you know, totally lose it and be a, a, a quivering mass on your bed, you got to ask for help. And, you know, that was my kids. They were only eight and six at the time, but, you know, that's old enough to be able to do things. Even if it's something as simple as feed the dog, um, take the trash out. You know, as they got older, I asked more of them, you need, you know, can you please help me with this? You know, I can't care, you know, can you do this? And through asking people for help, ironically, I also was able then able to say, no to things. There were certain things that, no, I cannot do that. It's not that I don't want to do that. I cannot do that. And, and realizing that that did not make me less of a person. It did not make me less of a mother or a wife or a woman. We all have limitations and Mm -hmm. you need to recognize once you stop pushing your, there's a good pushing yourself behind your limitations. And then there's a destructive mm-hmm. way of doing that. And, and once I stopped the destructive way of doing it, I realized I had, I felt better about myself and I had freed up time to do things that I could do that I really wanted to do, Yeah, you know, and, and mm-hmm. you just, it, it's weird that, getting uh, a yes you've got this horrible disease that is picking away at your 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 central nervous system one one cell at a time was kind of a relief and liberating in a way because now I had I you know Mary you can't do it all you're gonna have to ask for help and and that was that was a big shift in me for men for you know a mental shift um yeah and at the time, it seemed very, very awful. But looking back on it, it was very liberating in a way. Mm. And you're okay now? You're managing things oh, yeah. now? Yeah, they've got it. it it's, I mean, I, you're old enough to remember Annette Funicello. Um, I, mm-hmm. I'm sure most of your listeners remember her. She's kind of like the poster child for how bad MS can get. Um, the treatments have come so far since then. Mm. Actually, I just saw my neurologist yesterday and she was like, yeah, you're doing great. Keep it up. Mm. You know, Good. see you in Thank a year. Here. <laughs> well, Mary, there are so many things we could talk about, but I don't, you know, I don't want to keep you all afternoon. You obviously have spent a lot of time thinking about and putting into place systems and approaches that work for you to do the things that are important to you in terms of your you know, getting your, keeping your commitments on your day job, getting your books written, um, caring for your family and all of those things. And you have, uh, you, you know, you've shared with us a little bit of what your days are like and the routines that work for you. Uh, and so I have to ask with the, with the tools and systems and routines that you have in place, even with all that, do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you just, you just get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track? Of course I do. Uh, I mean, all more frequently than I, I care to think about because that's life and life happens. Step one, 
stop feeling guilty about it. You know, that, that just because, oh my gosh, I didn't get my words written today. That's okay. There's tomorrow. You can do it tomorrow. Step two, just sit back and relax and find something to, you know, recenter yourself. For me, it's often just picking up a book and, and reading or watching a little mindless television and just say, you know what, just let it go and don't feel guilty about it. This is going to be a recurring theme. Uh, three, <laughs> a big bowl of ice cream with chocolate sauce helps. <laughs> <laughs> that helps pretty much anything. Yeah, and, and you know that, I mean, and even then, you know, you, you're like, oh, the COVID-15 or however, you know, the COVID-20 <laughs> or whatever they're telling us it is. That's okay too. Maybe the thing that really matters to you is dropping 20 pounds. You know what? That's okay. Have that bowl of ice cream if it makes you feel better. But really the biggest step was you stop feeling guilty. Do not, mm -hmm. and, and I realize that's probably easier said than done. Again, especially for women. My husband doesn't seem to have any problem with this, uh, but my daughter feels it and she's much younger. You are not superwoman. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's okay if you didn't get every box checked or every, you know, sock folded, there's always tomorrow. And, and, you know, go to bed and you wake up and whatever you didn't get done the day before, see if you can get it done and look at it and say, it was really all that important to get done anyway. Because maybe some of the yeah. things you had on your list were really not all that important. And that has happened to me. Like, I really yeah. need to do such and such on a certain day. And it turns out, no, the world is still turning without me doing that thing. And <laughs> I didn't have to do that thing in the first place. Yeah. And, you know, that may be one of the hardest things, uh, skills to develop. Uh, and one of the most important is the ability to look at that list you've created and, and realize, you know, there's at least two things on there I actually don't need to do. I can just cross them off and life will be just great anyway. Uh, and that can be hard though. When, when we've kind of, once we've written it down, we almost feel like, well, I've made this commitment, but sometimes when you're, especially when you're having one of those days, it, it can be helpful. Walk away for a minute, take a breath, eat the ice cream, whatever it takes, and then come back and look at that list mm -hmm. with fresh eyes and say, do I really need to do all of these things? And if, if I really need to do them, do I really need to do them today or can it move to another day? And giving, again, giving yourself permission to, to not be superwoman and to, to be realistic about what can be done in a day. Great reminders, Mary. What, as we sort of start to wrap things up, where can people connect with you online if they want to you know, find your books or ask you a question or see more about what you're doing? Where's the best place for them to find you? Uh, sure. Best place for them to connect to me is my start with my website, which is www.lizmilliron.com, L-I-Z-M-I-L-L-I-R-O-N, all one word. Um, from there, uh, you can find lists to my social media. If you like Facebook, I'm on Facebook. Kind of, sort of, I'm on Facebook, but I've fallen out of love with Facebook in a lot of ways. Um, I'm also on Instagram. Both of the handles are Liz Milliron, all one word. Um, the other thing that you can do is sign up for my newsletter. You know, when you get to my website, there will be eventually be a pop-up, but there is also a link to subscribe to the newsletter. 
I swear I'm not going to spam you. It only goes out once a month, but it keeps you posted on what's going on with the authoring and information on my books. And I always include a picture of my dog because they, everybody on my social media feeds love my dog more than they love pictures of anything else. (laughs) And we'll put links to all of those things in the show notes as well. And I know your books are available on Amazon because I was looking at them. Yes. um, before you and I started talking. Uh, so again, we'll put links to your website and everything else in the show notes in case somebody's driving and uh, can't, can't write down uh, the things that you shared. Before we go, Mary, do you have any last words for the listener who might be looking for a little help or encouragement in getting things done and, and making a life that matters? What, what would you say to her? Oh, what would I say? Um, that's a really hard question to answer. First, find your thing. Like, what's the thing that really makes you feel whole? And don't be afraid to try a couple of different things. Like, maybe you don't know. Maybe it is writing, or maybe it's learning to play the piano, or maybe it's learning to ride a bike, you know, whatever it is. Give it a, give a couple things a shot. Um, once you've found the thing, don't think you have to take this journey alone. There are so many, find your people, as my friend Annette would say. For me, it was finding my my writer's group and my critique group. Um, find other people who are learning to play the piano or who are learning, you know, join a class to learn how to bake sourdough bread or something. The journey is always easier with other people because they will encourage you, they will commiserate with you, and they will hold you accountable. Um, to the commitment that you've made to yourself. And it is a commitment to yourself. You know, you are, you are just as important as everybody else is taking time out of your day. So take some time for yourself. Great advice. Thank you so much, Mary, for, for being here to talk with me today. And thanks a lot for having me. I enjoyed it. Well, as an aspiring author myself, I really enjoyed talking with Mary. I, I got so much out of the, the ideas and the insights and the encouragement that she offered. I'm really grateful to her for taking the time to share her thoughts on how she's making a life that matters, how she's managing the roles that are important to her, and for those encouraging words and suggestions she offered for the rest of us. But what do you think? Do you have any questions or comments for Mary or for me? You can share those in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which you'll find at theproductivewoman.com slash 350. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. Anyone can comment there. If you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, that's also a great place to continue the conversation. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, I welcome them and you can email them to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. Don't forget to visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn how easily TextExpander can help you and your whole team be more efficient and effective and consistent in your written communication and to get 20% off your first year. And thank you so much to TextExpander for supporting the Productive Woman podcast for all these years. 
And that's it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Mary. I hope you found something in it that was helpful or encouraging to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. Matter.